I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words betting podcast. I'm joined, as ever, by Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are we doing? I'd be better. I'd be better if we could hang on to those places uh, at Riviera last week. Um, yeah. I don't know, Brad, how they played so well for so long. Um, Hoagie, brilliant ball striking again. Um, and they both just managed to fall out of the places at nice prices. Um, yeah, both guess, are great prices. I guess is the way it goes, mate, isn't it? But like, it it just felt like to me like the process of picking those couple of players was was pretty strong. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think to be honest, like, if, look, if I had the chance to do that tournament again twenty times, I still would have picked Adam Scott. Um, mm-hmm. So I was absolutely fine with that and not going the way I'd probably still would always land on Burns. So I'm not. I don't mind those ones too much. But I think it's like when I the, the first personal texture about on the on the um, Monday was Zalatoris. Then I sort of said about an hour before the podcast, or oh, Hideki's intriguing, and and because I'd kind of made my mind up about Wyndham Clark, didn't play either of them. Um, I just I don't know, like, and that's not me sitting there saying like, you know, I knew I knew they were going to come first and second. Like that's not that's not the point at all. But it just feels mm-hmm. like I just feel a little bit stupid in the sense of like what like what like even when I spoke to you about Wyndham Clark you weren't necessarily keen I've spoken to Matt on the drafting team he wasn't keen and I, I thought I was trying I think I galaxy brain myself into thinking that this is a major champion that plays well at Riviera before he sort of went on his winning sort of run and should do well there and look, it happens like you have a week like mm-hmm. that but um yeah just a weird tournament and even Hideki winning right Brad like it took a 62 on Sunday to do it, it. outrageous um, Absolutely outrageous. Did, I mean, like, I think Jason Day was two shots. Sorry, I was going to say to think that Jason Day was two shots ahead of yeah. Matsuyama as well just adds that oh, like man. little bit of a stinger even more because you just feel like that was the round, well, not even that good, but I was hoping for a similar sort of round from Day. Yeah. You know, he's been pretty good all week. Um, and then to just drop a 72 fall out of places was, uh, yeah, it did hurt. It really did. <laughs> I think it's like, didn't he have like three birdies in a row three separate times or two separate times or something in the final round, Hideki? And like, it was just like carnage where he had like, he had like a total of 14 inches over two holes, like six inches and eight inches on those 15 and 16 or whatever it was, 16, 17. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, great, you know, a great. I mean, to think though, I've I've said, didn't I, that Patrick Cantlay was the guy up top. He was that he, I had a feeling like on his, yeah. he's going to show up sooner or later. And on a course that he obviously dreams about winning at, you know, yeah. close to home. And he obviously looked like he'd won it yeah. going into the final round. And then he just, uh, he just doesn't look good at closing, does he at all? Like, he just doesn't look comfortable. Like, when he stands over a part or over his shots, he just looks like, a little bit more nervous. Um, yeah, so there's a real problem there. Yeah, I was worried about your welfare when he was in the lead and Day was dropping out of the places. Like, a, <laughs> Trust like, me, mate, I was, I was screwing. I was screwing. <laughs> I, I, I was like, you know, this is exactly what Brad called was going to happen and didn't go for it and all that sort of stuff. And look, like, I think in the end, that's why you don't go for it, like in hindsight. Like, it, like it, he just isn't convincing at the moment and played 
for such brilliance for so long and kind of made the tournament pretty boring for the first 54 holes, right? Like yeah, it, it, it's brilliant. Yeah. It looked uh, kind of robotic from him, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. and that's what he can do. And look, I, I don't have any doubts that Cantlay will be in that position again in six months' time and just finish it off. But it, it to me, is just a concern for him at the moment. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's, there's because if Day does it or Scott does it or hoagie does it or whatever like you go i don't know what like they haven't been in contention for a while i mean day obviously won but like they 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 struggled to get over the line or whatever in recent years you don't mind it but like can they's just been this machine for a couple of years and you think what's going on but he's still in that elite group isn't he we we classify him in that group up the top that if he gets in that position like if he really was elite then you'd expect him to get the job done comfortably from that position right on a course that suits yeah. uh, yeah. and I, th- I think the always the thing that people sort of say about Cantlay is like oh look he's he's got no personality he's just you know focused and zoned in noise sort of stuff and and then the sort of comeback to that as well but it works for him and he's so brilliant and he gets the job done so fair play when that doesn't happen and you haven't got the other side of it either you almost get this kind of no forgiveness from people of like well actually you're incredibly boring to watch and you keep throwing things away um so I do I do feel like there's going to be a bit of a sentiment towards Cantlay again, um, probably for like fifth or sixth time of his career of just like don't trust him, don't like him, like whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that leads to the prices going out a little bit again, and, and that might be the time to But look, brilliant, brilliant final round from a brilliant golfer who's you know been too long between wins. So. You don't mm-hmm. ever mind seeing a Hideki Matsuyama win. It's and you know, unless you sort of consider him and didn't go there. But it the one thing I would say it's another tournament, Brad, where like I think Hideki opened at like eighty to one. So we're we're yeah. eighty to one yeah. all season now. Um it's and nuts, look, isn't it? It really yeah, is nuts. He he's not that typical eighty to one player, is it? That you think, okay, well it was a bit of a shock. Like he's not the Chris Kirk, Grayson Murray type no, shock. Um a big price nonetheless like not Matthew Pavon at Tory like he's not in that profile but mm-hmm. the face of what you know the scenario was in and all the good players that are in the field and all that sort of stuff um yeah I think obviously now it looks at an even bigger price <laughs> it's just like it's crazy but even then like you could look at it and say look he's never an 80 to 1 player because we know what he's capable on yeah. his day you know, so I think, I think the thing passionate. that the thing with me on that, like with Matt Sciarra, is I've, I've felt that every week, that like every week he's been 40s to 1, 50s to 1, 60s to 1, 80s to 1. I thought, you know, he's not that type of player, but he's never then gone on and produced it. Like, even when he's played well, he's then finished 13th or 17th or 21st or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's just not there. And ultimately, it took a 62 and a final round to finish it off. But yeah, I don't know. But what, the one person I'm probably the most concerned about for just their benefit, Scheffler is not like. Oh, he looks frustrated, doesn't he? Just fundamentally, like, needs to figure that out. Like, mm. it's one area of his game. He's still absolutely elite in every yeah. area except for that passer. Oh, I feel for him, Mark, do. Like, because he's just, his head's and shoulders above everyone. Like, yeah. Ted Green. Uh, it's just outrageous. He's it's got, he's got, he's, why does he not change putter even? Well, this is the thing. It's, it doesn't need, so I've sort of read Could he go, Yeah, get a lot, like, go for the. The bloody broomstick. Well, you know? I think that's the thing, right? Like, I think a lot of there's conflicting things about, like, oh, it's him and Ted Scott are misreading the greens and they're miles off it. Then there's, 
oh, have he just changed to a mallet putter? He'd get a better, like more consistent roll off of it, and he's just being stubborn about being a blade and all this sort of stuff. Like, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, uh, it gets to the point where you just get so frustrated on their behalf. And look, every time you're as good as he is, T screen, the strokes game passing is going to look worse. That, that's how the, the, the thing mm-hmm. works, right? But it is fundamentally broken. That's the that's the concerning thing. So, um. You can see it breaking him as well now as well, yeah. can't you? Like, he's definitely that's problem, but he's really losing his call. Cool. Well, he was um, really which, denial, wasn't he, before where he said there's not a problem. Like he kept saying, I've, I've not got a problem, I haven't got a problem. It's just it is what it is. Now he's definitely got to just admit to himself there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. But there we go. Enough of the negative stuff. I I hope that Sheffield uh, picks it out. I hope that when we get people in contention again, they actually get the job done. Um, or at least twice. Like, yeah, like, I, I think give, it, give us something. <laughs> that, that day one was felt cruel. Like at least with Hoagie, like he was kind of on the periphery the whole time of going back and forth in the places. Like I'm not. Mm-hmm. It was a big, a big price, and you know you kind of take your licks with that. But like it just looked so good for so long. Um, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's what it is, it man. Is. Let's go to this week's events. Um, on the face of it. Magical Kenya Open and the Mexico Open, two weaker fields is the nicest way of putting it. Um, but I, get, I think there's still plenty of intrigue in both of them. Yeah. Um, two I, good betting events. Yeah, yeah sure. I think actually when you think about like, people will look at certain players and we'll come into them in a minute about like, oh, they they look too short in the betting and all this sort of stuff, a sticker shock of these players. But actually I don't think it's priced too bad, especially in Europe. Like I think like the players you want to bet are still very bettable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's go into it. You and Ferguson and Tristan Lawrence and Hashino now all sixteen to one joint favourites on the DP World Tour. Frederick Lacroix, Alex Fitzpatrick twenty five to one, Lane Gast twenty eight to one, um, and it's thirty to one and bigger the rest. I could definitely see Hashino going in quite quickly again. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good course for him. I'm really worried about Lacroix just punishing me for jumping off so quickly um and i think thriston's going to win at some point so that that was the kind of trio of that five there that i was worried about not too mm. worried about ferguson although he has played well here i'm not too worried about alex fitzpatrick if he wins he wins at 25 to 1 and lane gask i'm never going to bet so um in that respect yep. brad there's multiple opportunities to take people on but was who is the one you were most kind of afraid of at the top of the market uh like you, I think Hashino, like despite missing the cut last year, I think this is a great course for him. Um, obviously, you know the Japanese players um, when they go play on their own tour, they they play a lot of these tree line tracks. Um, so yeah, I think all Japan as you see me Kawamura, I think um, also Kazuki Higa, also like you could say a few in this field. Um, we'll see some familiarities this week um, with the course. I, I actually. I actually looked at Alex Fitzpatrick because um, he seems to play these strategic courses quite well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he's sort of shown up in Kranz. Um, I think Gal Gorm as well. I was looking, and so yeah, he he did appeal, uh, but I, I want bigger than 25s. Um, but he should he should probably be that price. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I didn't actually back anyone in this range. Um, so. Yeah, I, I do think Fitzpatrick can play as well. As you said, the courses you mentioned are the ones. I think he's very similar to the early stages of his brother. Like, I think he's going to develop in the same sort of way of, of these courses will suit until he comes and adapts his game and goes more sort of PGA Tour heavy. Um, I do mm-hmm. think there's a lot to Alex Fitzpatrick, a lot of 
you know, lot of potential there. But look, I'll, I'll just wait until he's slightly bigger in a deeper field and take my chances there. Yeah, so I thought the same. Yeah, I think he's I think he's capable of doing that. So first one for me, Brad, um, was Aaron Cockerell, and I was almost definitely going to bet him um, mm-hmm. before the odds come out, and then they originally came out at about thirty three to one. Um, and maybe even slightly bigger at one point. He's now down to 30 with five places, 25 to one with seven places. Well, there is 28 to one, sorry, with seven places as well. Um, so I think it's a 28 to one, seven places. That's probably the answer with Cockerell. Mm-hmm. I just think on the face of it, he's been playing really well for a long period of time now. Uh, really solidly, 32nd in Joburg, 25th in the South African Open, 15th for the Alfred Dunhill to finish the year. Kicks off the year four for the Divide as a classic, 23rd at the Raz Al Khaimah, eighth, uh, sixth, sorry, at the Bahrain Championship. And then finally misses a cut at the Qatar Masters, where I think quite a number of people were eventually on him. But mm-hmm. I don't think, Brad, any one of those courses, maybe the South African events were actually probably better for him, but to start the year, that the kind of Dubai Desert Classic, the Raz Al Khaimah, and not really his bag. Um, I think so, not, no. Uh, not what he's good at. So I think those results are such a good sign that he's in great form. Um, you obviously come back and you finished second here in on his debut in 2022. Did miss the cut last year, but just playing way better than he has been for... It's probably his best run of his career, right? There's no getting away from it. He's <laughs> yeah. um, ball striking, really solid tee to green. Um 13th, 15th, 22nd, his last three made cuts in tee to green, 16th, 19th, 31st and approach. And he's obviously got a decent short game. So um, I think Brad, Aaron Cockerell's rock solid, despite, you know, the obvious concerns that he hasn't managed to get over the line yet. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And his driving accuracy is up there with like the best this year. Like He's been super accurate. And he's, yeah, he's been knocked, he's knocked on the door a few times now, hasn't he? So I feel like he... He could definitely win at some point. Um, I know he's played well here in the past, so I can't can't see can't say anything bad against him. He was on my shortlist. I didn't get there. Um, we were talking about him, weren't we? Um, but I think he's a great great bet this week at the prices. Yeah, look, and he's a player that you know lost a playoff to Lucas Herbert last year in Japan. Like obviously runner up here, he was in contention again in ISPS Hander in Spain, and he actually. You know, that only went to, um, I think he went the four rounds in that one in Spain, but he, you know, it was interrupted, wasn't it? So, it, mm-hmm. to me, he's had kind of opportunities that have probably just not fallen his way rather than there's actually a real problem there of not being able to win. So, at, 30 to, at 31 years of age um, and probably playing the best goal of his career, I'm willing to, willing to bet that the best is still to come for Cockerell. So, wouldn't normally go in at a short price on a player like that, but I think. Perfect bounce back spot for the missed cut. Great, um, great golf course for him. Probably the best remaining chance he's got all year, I would say. I'd go as far to say that. Um, and, and that's why I'm going to take him. As I said, about the last couple of weeks, it's been my sort of favourite thing to say. But if it doesn't work, <laughs> I'll very quickly jump off. I don't, I don't really mind uh, being on when I'm fine, yeah. strongly. So um, next one, Brad, we're both aligned on probably the, the first player for me. I think potentially you as well. Yeah, uh, yeah that was on the list so I'll let you introduce our next pick and, and I'll add anything else yeah no he stood out straight away uh John Catlin yeah uh, I think he's 40 to 1 six places best now um and yeah this is actually his first DP world tour appearance this year um but he has been keeping his game sharp in Asia the last few weeks 
Uh, you finished third um, in Malaysia last week on the Asian tour. Yeah. Uh, you ranked fourth for driving accuracy, thirteenth uh, for greens and regulation, and obviously that bodes really well coming into this week where driving accuracy and hitting greens is at a premium. Um, he played this course last year, opened with a sixty-four to lead after round one. He did fade after that. Yeah, he faded. He ended up finished fifteenth, but. That round of 64 is enough confirmation of his capabilities around this golf course. Um, he also has an excellent record um, at Valderrama, where he previously won. Um, he also has a couple of uh, 11th place finishes. Uh, that's another difficult test, strategic, um, positional with um, Greens. Um, and there's been plenty of leadable crossover over the years, uh, similar to Galgorn Castle as well which is another tight tree-lined golf course. Um, again, a lot of thinking required. So he's, he's a winner at both of them courses. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that bodes well. And it, it also looks like it's getting going to be, sorry, uh, quite windy this week, um, which will also suit him as he thrives in tough playing conditions. So, yeah, he, he ticks a lot of boxes. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was an easy take for me. I, I think... For me, Brad, the one thing I would say about John Catlin is he's a very limited player, right? Like he's a, he needs it kind of tough. He, he he has won on longer golf courses, but generally speaking, would like a shorter one, technical, where his accuracy is going to be rewarded. Yeah. But that's but that's what this is, and I'm only going to take him at the at the opportunity where it best suits him. And I think that the one thing, and what you've already alluded to, is that he has been keeping himself busy elsewhere. So he's been a bit out of sight, out of mind for people, but he was. He was quality enough uh, in Australia, 29th and 33rd. Back that up with a sixth place finish at the Thailand Open, 10th place finish uh, in Mauritius, where he finished with a final round 66. He then mm-hmm. withdrew um, in on the in tour. Thailand, yeah. But he, he didn't he have a stomach bug or something uh, that week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So to withdraw, you know, in sixth place suggested he's he going quite well as well. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and then went and finished third last week. Now. Open with a pair of 65s, closed with 68, 66 last week and still finished third. So I think that talks to the quality of the other players opposed to him sort of failing down the back uh, back stretch there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love everything about John Cameron at this tournament. It was the easiest pick of the week for me. Um, yeah, we've mentioned John Cameron, haven't we? In maybe in more negative passing recently in the sense of like, oh, where has he gone? What's happened to him? We can see how quickly careers can change and people mm-hmm. open wins or whatever. But... When the situation is right, the situation is right. And I'm very happy that is the case with John Catlin. Yeah. So it looks like everything's aligning at the right time to take him. Right? Yeah, like he's playing well coming into an event that suits him perfectly. And yeah, exactly that. Yeah. We get to the end of these weeks and he's three over after five holes, and you think as to why this is happening. But the process suggests that you kind of have to say, yeah, yeah if, if you exactly don't, that. and he, he's up there, then so be it. Um, Next pick for you, Brad, is is slowly coming in in the prices. Um, yeah, Ashan um, Wu. Yep. And yeah, he's, he's again. I feel like he's coming into form at just the right time. Um, we've had a pretty poor end to his year, and it hasn't been much better this year either. Until his last outing, um, where he did finish ninth in Qatar, he started to hit the ball a little bit better. Um, he, he's always been known, hasn't he? He's like the like a, fairway finder um, but that hasn't been the case at all the last few months um, but in Qatar showed a bit of life he, he, he ranked 17th for driving accuracy 7th tee to green which is a massive step in the uh, right direction 
Um, he's also a former winner at this course. He won by four shots back in 2022. Um, and he, he did miss the cut last year, but, you know, it is always tough to defend. So that that can be forgiven. I just don't think he'll have as much media attention on him this week. And yeah, I, I reckon he'll want to keep the momentum going after his result in Qatar. So, yeah, previous winner by four shots. Uh, shouldn't really need much more confirmation, of course, fit. But yeah, his performance at Cran should probably get a mention. He's twice in the top 10, sixth and ninth. That's another great course comp for this week. It's, it's played at altitude, um, there's tight fairways, dog legs, tree lined in spots. So he, he's a four time winner and uh, he's twice won in Japan as well. I've already said that about the tree lined fairways in Japan. Very common in common you see out there. So. I just feel as though he has the game for this test. Um, similar to Catlin, everything seems to be aligning and I'm hopeful he can build on that performance in Qatar. Yeah, look, another limited player, right? But you play him at the right time. He's shown that kind of form that you want coming in. If it, if you were just playing him because he's played well here in the past and he was actually still playing like he was at the tail end last year, then it would be a different discussion. But mm-hmm. actually, even the final event of 2023, he finished 20th and he was fifth going into the final round, just had a terrible Sunday. Um, 48th in Dubai Invitational is fine. A couple of missed cuts were, were pretty disappointing, mm-hmm. but they weren't golf courses that are going to suit him, similar to Bahrain, I think. And then all of a sudden, yeah. I think he played well in Qatar, isn't he, in the past, and led there, obviously, in round one. He was in some top 10 all week. It's just such a difference to just just to get that. He's a side player that he gets one result, like Catlin, you feel confident that they can now go on and like that's it. We, yeah, they're winners. Both, of them are, both of them are winners. Yeah. yeah. Like if they had that one result right and then there was like six weeks until there was a um suitable course again, then you then you're slightly worried, you know what I mean? But like mm-hmm. when it's very much immediately like, right, okay, you play well in his last start and his next start at a course he loves, um, I think you've got to feel good about it. So um can absolutely see the logic of Ashen Wu, one of my kind of favourites in the past to play. So um, it was only really because I got so excited about this next one for me that um, I wouldn't go to that range. So um, where are we on the odds board? Oh, my one's slightly bigger. Than, so we'll go with you again, Brad. You're going to you're gonna have to reel off another one. Um, no worries. So Oliver Becker for you is the biggest price yes. now, 70 to 1, maybe 66 to 1 with the extra places is probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yep, so Oliver Becker. So he was defending his title last week at the Dimensions Data Pro Am. Um, that was on the Challenge Tour. Finished tied 25th, uh, which was quite impressive considering he shot 80 in round <laughs> two. So he, he responded really well over the weekend. And yeah, I'm hoping he can carry that over into Kenya this week. Um, he has an excellent record at this course um, with finishes of 18th, 14th, and 6th on the Challenge Tour. Um, and an eighth place finish uh, back in 2022, and that was on the DP World Tour. Um, he also has another top 10 finish at uh, Karan Golf Course in Kenya. So yeah, he just he just loves it over there. Uh, he, he had a tough time on the DP World Tour last year, but he had one result that stood out. Um, it was that eighth place finish at Kranz. Um, he was coming into that event in terrible, terrible form. One made cut in 10 appearances, and that made cut, he finished 59th so yeah he sprung that result out of nowhere and as I've already alluded to I think that's a really good comp for this week <clears throat> excuse me and there's been lots of crossover on that leaderboard um, over the years between Kranz and uh, Matiga so 
I've already stated, but yeah, the altitude is is uh, the biggest thing I reckon, and the the dog legs and this uh, there's just the strategy involved, both quite quirky. So yeah, and Becker strikes me as the type of player that has his certain spots where he shows up. Um, he had an excellent, excellent year in 2022. Nearly broke through in Spain. He lost in a playoff to Arnaus. Um, but yeah, he'll be looking to put last year's disappointment behind him and get back on track. And this course has been kind to him over the years. And yeah, I feel like a big performance could be coming from him. Yeah, I think fair to say, Brad, the conversations we had, like he was one of your later kind of ads. He your, was, yeah. He uh, was a late one for me. Yeah, he, t- he, he knocked a few off the shortlist. I put him above. Like straight away, I was like, "Yeah, I've got to take him now." And I almost feel like that's a that's an added sort of strength. Do you know what I mean? Like it, you get a little bit of extra time to think about it. You kind of because look, everyone, I think everyone, even like people that do what we do, and and even people that just regularly bet as opposed to actually go and talk about it and give their picks. Like they will get to Sunday night and go, "Look, I already fancy this player for next week. Um, just see what odds he is, and then it's probably going to align." Mm-hmm. Um, then you have your first kind of cursory look and you go, oh, there's this player that I like. And then you start getting into another evolved selection of what have I missed? What, you know, uh, that's right, yeah. can I take a deeper dive? What are the links? Blah, blah, blah. And eventually that's when you bring up like an Oliver Becker. And actually this is how I got onto my, um, one of my second picks in, in uh, America, which we'll come on to. So I do mm-hmm. think that, well, Mexico actually, but um, you, you'll come in the process of that is quite interesting of, of how you eventually land on these players. Um, and this yeah. is, this is what will happen with my next one actually in, in this um, event as well. So I'll, I'll come on mm-hmm. to my next two now to give you a little rest of your uh, voice there, Brad. So <laughs> Cheers, um, one of one of the players that's shortened his name, a bit like the Nicholas Norgard, well as Nicholas Norgard, is Sebastian Garcia, who was formerly Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez. Um, yeah. He is he's 80 to 1. Now, 70 to 1, 7 places if you prefer the extra place, right? Like I think... I think on the face of it, that seems a relatively modest price for someone that, you know, hasn't really won, hasn't even really contended that often, right? But what he has done is he's on this kind of run of form, Brad, where it's very solid, uh, 31st, 37th, 12th and 27th. He opened in fifth place at the Dubai Desert Classic. He was 12th at the Bahrain Championship, which I think is a strong result. Um, And he was fourth going into the final round. And then 27th last time out in the Qatar Masters. All really quite pleasing results. You then look at kind of who's been solid from a ball uh, ball striking perspective. And he is 15th in the field uh, from a strokes gain approach uh, perspective. And actually, uh, Mm -hmm. the one thing that kind of put me off potentially about Garcia is I feel like he's more of a kind of streaky off the tee type player. And his tee green numbers is actually fourth best in the field. But hitting the ball in his irons well enough to suggest to me he was worth a second look. And it was that second look and that kind of extra layer of, of deep dive for me, as I explained just then, that drew me to him. So his best ever finish on the OWGR site is his fourth in the Magical Kenya Open in 2021. Now, that mm-hmm. does have to come with the... Um, thing that that was at the different golf course that was at Karen Country Club right, right? Yeah. so that is one thing you could potentially cause as a call as a negative but I'm not seeing it that way he was also 14th at the Savannah Classic which was that other event I think at Karen didn't they they went back to back yeah. so it's fourth and 14th for those two golf courses he's been 14th at um 
the Andalusia master, which is obviously referenced uh, a couple of times previously as well. So he likes these kind of tough tests, and then two of them have been in the um, Kenya Open as well. And then you look at the fact that he was 17th at this golf course uh, in 2022, Brad. These are all kind of really strong results for someone that, let's face it, is a relative journey on on the... Very, very much so, yeah. And it was actually the fact that he was fourth going into the final round in this Kenya Open two years ago at this golf course that kind of really alerted me to... Actually, we've got this player that's bubbling under the surface with decent ball striking, good places round after round at the moment. Um, don't think he's the type of player that generally makes four cuts in a row. So that in itself is um, pretty impressive from what he's been doing. And then, as I say, no, not Kenya is his best, without a doubt, is his best place. Like, absolutely loves it. And when you look at it, it he repeats form everywhere, even if it's like even if it's not the same goal course, it's the same part of the world. So magical Kenya Open fourth. Um, is his best result. Then all the other Kenya Opens I've just been talking about. Um, and then you look at his second best performance on OWGI is the Open to Portugal. He was second there. And then he goes on to finish fourth at uh, the Portugal Masters. Uh, sorry, sixth at the Portugal Masters in 2020. So Portugal. Well, just, yeah. He just, and Mallorca Open, third, um, his third best finish, tied fifth, and then goes to the, comes from the Challenge d'Espagne second. He loves Spain, loves Portugal, loves Kenya. Um and that's fine. I have no problem with that. If people are just very good at a micro amount of places and actually it looks like he's improving from a consistency standpoint, I really like that. So quite excited about Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez, which I didn't necessarily feel like that would be something I'd be saying in 2024. Um, probably a first round leader pick as well. He's got streaky like that. Uh, very much so the first round leader pick yeah yeah so I, I think Sebastian Garcia is my kind of sneaky little selection there that that feels like he's not yeah. the one that you'd immediately get drawn to but on the face of it his, his kind of record is ridiculous so it is yeah I think it's a great pick and as, as you said I've never I've never known him to be this consistent that's no. what jumped out to me as well I was like what is he he's, he's never been he's never made four cuts in a row surely I've never known no. him to no. so yeah that stands out straight away and then obviously his form in Kenya is just arguably the best yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah so I, I don't know anyone that I feel like just repeats Kenya. I mean there's people that have won here that repeat Kenya and more Be- Becker and Sebastian Garcia they're just yeah. Uh, Maybe <laughs> they stay together or something as well. We'll find it out later in the week when they finish one and two. Um, <laughs> That'd be sweet. <laughs> That'd be funny, wouldn't it? But um, the the next pick for me was a little bit more of a. I was always going to play this bloke if the number was right, and it's Julian Suri, who I think we've been talking about a little bit on and off with all the kind of mini tour escapades, the Q schools. He's been closed and cruelly missing out and all those sort of things, but. Actually, on the face of it, the, the main thing I like, and I remember speaking to, I believe I spoke to his caddy before, and he was kind of off the map with his driver all over the place, couldn't keep it on the um, on the golf course, and just kind of lost his, I guess, a little bit like a Paratore or a Pavon or someone like that, Pavan, something like that, that just, as soon as you lose it with a driver, Manacero, I guess, as well, like, as soon as you lose it with your driver, you're kind of gone for a little bit, right? But mm. I think what happened with Suri is I felt like he was a bit impatient. Like he'd come onto the DP World Tour, perform really well quite quickly and probably expected to get to the PJ Tour. And you look at kind of Uline and Kepka, it was all that kind of thing. And then Kitty Armour come along. And I think he just wanted to be in that kind of mix and, and didn't get himself there. So maybe at the detriment of, of what he was doing really well, just kind of got away from him a bit. And then you look back now, and I think there was injury problems as well with Suri that 
really affects his game. And I always, one, I'm really willing to give someone a second chance when they come back from injury because as long as it is, a bit like when we talked about Bug Cawley before, um, so, you know, when someone just disappeared for no fault of their own, they're just hurt. Um, it's always intriguing to see how they play. But Surrey has been so consistent for so long now. Um, look, it took him a while in, in the middle of, middle of 2023. He went 48th, 45th, 49th um, across the Challenge and DP World Tour. Then he goes straight into a third place finish at the Iran Bank Open, 20th at the Big Green Egg, 22nd in the Irish Challenge. And then mm-hmm. it's later on in the season, 18th, 39th, 2nd, 3rd, 11th at the Tour yeah. final. And then back-to-back weeks in Australia went 61st and 8th. So the last time we've sort of like the last five events, second at the Open to Portugal, third at the Swiss Challenge, 11th at the Rolex Challenge, 61st to Fortinet Australian PGA, and eighth at the ISPS Handa. Just so consistent, like four top 11s, his last five starts. Mm. Um, and it, as I say, I really like the fact it stretches all the way back to kind of like the middle part of, of 2023, where he kind of found the form in, in the first place. So that that's the current landscape of Julian Suri, playing mini tour stuff really well, or um, Q school stuff really well. Yeah. You then look at where he's played well, Brad. Um, he won in Denmark, which I don't necessarily think is a similar test, but fine. But open to France, he was second, where there was always a premium on kind of being quite accurate there. Um, mm-hmm. Hong Kong Open, don't overpower that, second place there. Mm-hmm. Trophy Hassan, second there, really tight golf course. Fifth, tree line of British Masters. Um, and then, yeah, you just look, you just keep going down. Uh, Valderrama, eighth place, finished there. Um, 15th for Valderrama again, PGA Championship, he was 19th, 8th at the Turkish Airlines Open, like all these kind of strong tests. Real quirky sort of yeah. like premium on accuracy, yeah, strategic. I like yeah. it, like I like the kind of form that he's shown in those types of events. So originally my, my concern with him was like, oh, it's a he's playing well, but it's not a great course fit. But actually on the face mm-hmm. of it, I think it's actually a good course fit. I, I felt like he was probably needed a bigger golf course, but I don't think that's necessarily the case when you look further into it. Last two times we've seen him where we can see his strokes gain data, he was ninth and 22nd in strokes gain approach. So his irons are good. Seventh and 11th in tee to green suggests that um, his off the tee stuff is absolutely fine. And then mm. you come back to his only sort of um, effort on the golf course and he was only 41st on the challenge tour, but he's at least seen it, knows what to expect. And I think that's huge, even just having played the golf course, Brad, and knowing what it's all about. Yeah, uh, he can come in with good form and confidence. So 100 to 1, seven places, um, I thought was was fine for Julian Suri. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, it's not someone I considered, but now you've made a really good case for him. I think, yeah, <laughs> I, think I can see it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah he's, he kept himself really busy, didn't he? I mean, he's, yeah. he was in every Q school, um, and that eighth at the end of the year at the Australian Open, fantastic. So yeah, his game thing. game's there. It's it's not if if someone plays really well multiple Q school events but don't get through you kind of think okay well he's obviously playing well but there's a reason he's not getting over the line in those or oh well, hard luck Julian like you're not you're not really doing it but when he comes and plays it's kind of getting the spot starts across three or four different tours it feels like he's grinding and getting results when he's not been able to be consistent is uh, really impressive as well so happy with Julian Suri there a bit more of a rogue one as opposed to Cockerell and Catlin being um, pretty nailed on but Suri and uh, Sebastian Garcia probably more exciting mm. picks for me obviously a bigger odds so um, yeah one final one for you triple digits as well Brad yes so I'm going to go with Simon Forstrom. Uh, it's 100 to 1, six places. And yeah, I, I put Forstrom up uh, for my player to watch last year. And I highlighted that Kenya might be a good spot for him. 
Um, I'm a little annoyed as I, I, I did miss out on his win in Belgium at the Sadao Open, um, which is another tight tree line course, um, dog leg fairways, strategic premium and axe through the lot. And he also had previous in Belgium winning on the challenge tour of another eighth place. Um, yeah, so he's, he's won and he's had an eighth place. He had, he had the Belgium form, whatever that is. Um, but anyway, I was gutted. I missed out on it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And uh, so I'm going to have another go at chancing him here. Um, since he, since winning in Belgium, he has been pretty poor. Uh, he, he did show um, some signs of life in Qatar last week. He finished 27th. Um, he ranked 19th tee to green. He gained strokes off the tee and on approach. Um, he didn't do very well here last year. He finished 60th, but he has a pretty decent record here on the Challenge Tour. He was, he was fourth going into the final round of the Kenya Open back in 2018. Closed a round of 74. So he's had a chance. Uh, he did finish 25th. Um, but yeah, I, I really I do like him for this for this test. I do find him. He is this type of golfer. He does fit the bill. And if it's windy as well, out of suit. Um, so yeah, I feel like a positive result last week could spring him to life. Um, like it did when he did win in Belgium. I noticed that there weren't really much going for him. And then he had like a, a 27, 31st finish, something like that. And then he, he just won. Um, so he might just need a course that fits. I think this is a good course for him. Um, so yeah, I think at the odds is worth chancing. Yeah, absolutely. I think when someone that you know can win and has done it at a big price goes and does something in their last start and then comes, as you said, to what we think been the theme of the episode, right? Is is this a, a course that suits? Yes, it's going to benefit the shorter, kind of more accurate hitter um, straight into it. It's not very often you can make a card of shorter, accurate hitters and, and feel no, confident not. about it. So um, it's, a, it's a completely different test altogether. A couple of players that I thought about uh, Shabanka Sharma was one of them hitting the ball quite nicely um, didn't get there for whatever reason Darius Van Drill looks like if he gets on the short yeah, he just missed out for me as well I think Becker yeah. might have uh, knocked him off yeah so I think he's one of them and then the other one who I sort of mentioned to you in passing and maybe even on the podcast um, he went on to miss the cut but we were talking about how Joel Gerbach was a big price in Qatar, like kind of disrespect. I think it was like 350 to one off the basis that he'd finished 20th and 8th on his past two starts. And I think we said at the time, like not a great golf course for him, but just the odds and like, the value on him seems quite disrespectful almost. And actually it transpired. He missed the cut in the Qatar Masters and it wasn't that big of a surprise. It wasn't a great course for him. But all of a sudden, I feel like he's going back to a course that would be absolutely perfect for him. And the, the kind of missed cut is, is pushed out his um, price. He was inside the top 21 um, when he played the Challenge Tour after a couple of rounds, and, and I think he's improved since then. So um, I'm not going to back Joel Gerbach, but he would be that one that I'd feel a little bit silly about if, if he was up mm-hmm. there after a couple of rounds. Um, Andrew Wilson yeah. in the ball well as well, but I just don't really know mm-hmm. whether he's... I think this will definitely suit Gerback. Definitely, he's definitely a more accurate player. Um, the one for me, I feel, was Jack Davison, who I think I mentioned to you quite early, but I sort of talked myself out of him uh, in the end, uh, just because of maybe just a bit inexperienced. Want to see a bit more of him first, maybe, but I was impressed with him in Qatar and. Yeah, he finished with two sixty nines, and he, I think he's a player that I 
I have backed a lot through like the Euro Pro Tour now. Then when on when he went on to the Challenge Tour, so I have been following his journey and uh, I'm really uh, keeping my eye on him this year because I think there's a there's, a, there's definitely a player there. Um, but yeah, I think maybe just a little bit too soon. I, I talked myself out of it basically, but yeah. he was someone that I nearly backed this week. At, well, I think you can get 300 to one on him now I bet Fred so it's big enough to just have a little yeah, have a little, a little, knicker, a little knicker on it <laughs> yeah. I think the one in that kind of vein for me Brad and I know we're sort of naming names here that we're not betting but and maybe you know a little bit more about him than I do but Connor Purcell um, <laughs> sixth at the Challenge Tour Grand Final he was 61st at the Australian PGA but he was actually inside the, the top 30 in the second and third rounds had a really bad final day 30-30 Australian Open again inside the top 25 going into the final round. And then back-to-back weeks, last two starts in Cape Town after a mess, or in South Africa after a massive break. He was uh, 24th at Cape Town Open. He was third after round one, 11th after round two. And then he was 17th last week in the die data, again, sixth after 36 holes. I don't know an awful lot about him, which is why I've not got two in the weeds with him, Brad, but I could just see him kind of... Oh, no, Roy's definitely his type of profile, mate. You're, you're actually yeah. spot on. Yeah, from the Challenge Tour, he, he's he shows up on the, the tighter tracks. Um, yeah. I mean, the one I remember clearly was the the Challenge, the, the one in England, the British Challenge, uh, St. Million, which Alex Fitzpatrick won. And I think Tom Vallant was third, uh, second, Ashley Chester's. I think... Purcell was uh, right up there. Yeah, I think he shot 75 final round, but that just says it in itself. He was right up there going into the final round, and uh, that is very much a premium on accuracy, which again is another reason why I nearly took Alex Fitzpatrick um, because I saw he won, he won that event on the Challenge Tour. He won it by five shots, um, but yeah, again 25 to one. I was just like, ah, too short, but. Then again, yeah, so that was where I, I do think Purcell does fit the bill is where I'm going with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's a good way to, to kind of compare and contrast. And I, look, I just I had my picks and it was fine. But I think we're always looking in these kind of events of who can make a step up from good form on the challenge draw. Whatever. We've seen, you know, Svensson come into things quite smoothly and Hugo mm-hmm. Casal was brilliant last time out. So I think we, we've mentioned the kind of opportunity with these kind of weaker fields for people to kind of jump in and, and carry on good form. Benjamin Follett-Smith, another one playing really good golf um, yeah. in South Africa at the moment. As so a, again, like as Sky, as Sky backed uh, a local this year. He hasn't. No, he, he was he was devastated that there wasn't a thousand to one. <laughs> uh, to I was hoping you'd tell me that he has. No, he was worried about that. That he basically we, we've come to the conclusion there's actually some fraudulent activity on the safari tour and players are getting held out. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we're we're slightly concerned for for the health of the safari tour and and what yeah. that means for the magical Kenya Open going forward. So needless to say, if if Sky didn't have Guido Migliozzi to back this week, he probably would have been. Um, absolutely devastated. We've got, got to remedy <laughs> here with that. So um, yeah. that's it for the Magical Kenya Open. I think that's a you know a fun event to talk about, but um, absolutely happy to move on to mm-hmm. the Mexico Open. Now, again, look at this one, and I think, oh, you know, it's a it's a rough betting event. Like, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, I feel great about it. Um, so Tony Finau, eight to one. Nikolai Hoyegaard, 16 to 1, Thomas Dietrich, 25 to 1, and so too is Steven Jaeger, Keith Mitchell, and Emiliano Grillo. Um, straight off the bat, was very keen on Keith Mitchell, but the price is coming in, mm-hmm. um, and it made my decision between two players um, a little bit easier. 
I don't think, Brad, on the face of it, that Tony Fino eight to one's that bad. Oh, I don't know, mate. It's after backing him last week. Yeah. Uh, his putting is just truly yeah. atrocious. It's, <laughs> it's not it as bad terrible. as Scotty's, but it is it is bad. <laughs> it, it is terrible. And look, I think the, the only thing I think is that like almost good putting isn't massively rewarding on these Paz Palom greens. So like, oh, no, it isn't no. You don't have to be a good putter. He's finished two-one here, and the, the only person he's, he's lost to John Rahm and then beat John Rahm, like. For some reason, like I just look at Tony Fino and think, actually, when you look at the drop down to Nikolai Hoygaard, Thomas Dietrich, Stephen Yeager, Keith Mitchell, it was actually pretty generous. Um, before it used to be kind of two players, and and Fino was kind of eight to one when Rahm was in the field um, last year. So um, I think it suits him though, knowing that they that he still has someone to beat. Like he's yeah, you know, he's, maybe he's, he's the favourite now. Yeah. Like he's expected to win. Maybe. Maybe I think that could be a, a really good point that he need not even so much that like he he crumbles under the pressure of being a favourite but almost like he needs the juices of being against someone yeah. in his um sort of yeah, level sort of level yeah yeah uh, so yeah it'd be interesting like if he goes and wins this week I would not be surprised at all and actually in reflection I think the price is fine so for for someone that literally whenever someone's ten to one or shorter I tend to say like I couldn't even be bothered to look I, I was actually quite tempted but. Um, yeah. Long way of going. I'm not going to bet Tony Fee now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start with Taylor Pendrith, who is 28 to one with eight places. Mm-hmm. Now, when Mitchell was kind of 33 to one, it felt like a bit of a tough decision for me. But now Pendrith is, is bigger, um, and those eight places are on offer. Sort of yeah. said to you, Brad, that it's going to have to come for Taylor Pendrith, and I do truly believe that he will go and win mm-hmm. an event. Fifteenth. Uh, at the Worldwide Technology Championship, obviously in Mexico at the end of 2023, finished with a really a flurry. Actually opened with 72 and went 66, 67, 65 to climb into 15th. Finished eighth in Bermuda, another sort of similar sort of test, I guess. RSM Classic, he missed the cut, but wasn't bad at all. Tenth uh, at the Sony Open, missed the cut again at the American Express and then finished ninth. So if he makes the weekend, Brad, I'm going to feel pretty confident that Taylor Pendrith can get himself into... Um, yeah tension that seems to be the kind of pattern of his golf so far when I mean, you go back to even so he missed his first cut of the year at the force net finishes third at the shriners finishes 15th in the um worldwide technology championship eighth in bermuda misses a cut 10th misses a cut ninth like it's top 10 on missed cut this week yeah 100 uh, i mean as you said it's, it's got to come soon and this is exactly the test he wants i think that's a it's a really strong range like thomas Dietry, you've got taylor pendriff and i think you've got keith mitchell i think all three of them fit the bill um i do think pendriff is the bigger price out of all three of them and i think he's the, the better player and better bet mm-hmm. um arguably so i mean obviously keith mitchell um it's a bit tough to say he's a better player when Keith Mitchell has achieved more, but it's to say I feel like Pendriff is going to become a better player. I think the potential, we haven't seen the best of him yet, is probably where I'm going with that. Yeah, I but yeah, it's a really strong range, really strong range. Yeah, like a Grillo is always going to come on to my kind of line of thinking. Like I love Grillo and I think the revival is similar to kind of what we've seen with Benny Ann in recent weeks. I think it's really good to see pure ball striking talents come to the forum. I I don't think it's wrong to say that Pendrith could be a, a a better player than Mitchell. Like Mitchell is a brilliant driver of the golf ball when he's a streaky putter, but he's not mm-hmm. this kind of well-rounded golfer that is consistent everywhere. Right? He's really volatile, and you're asking him to come and do you know 33 to one, which, as I said earlier in the in the theme, like 
we shouldn't be surprised that sort of thing at this at this level of field. No. We, we haven't even got the thing that he's been to the golf course. We have no idea he's going to play well there. I think he will, but we don't know. No, exactly. I know what I was getting at is that I think Pendriff is going to be a better player than Mitchell, yeah. but because Mitchell was got what he's achieved, he's won at Honda, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think at the moment it's tough to say that he is, but I think on the uh, you know Pendriff's had a good look at the course. We've seen him. Um, so many times coming to contention in these type of courses, these type of tests uh, with these weaker fields as well. So I think he's just ready to win one of them now. I really do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I like Taylor Pendrith there at 28 to 1, eight places. The one that I said to you coming to my line of thinking after a real kind of step away, and this was actually my last pick, was Eric Van Royen at 33 to 1, eight places. Now, we kind of went back and forth about our picks uh, during the day, as we always do. And I didn't even mention Van Royen to you. Um, so I'm sure mm-hmm. you were quite surprised when I actually told you I was going with it. But um, when I went back to it, he's won the most recent event in Mexico. He won the Worldwide Technology Championship. Um, it was actually, I think that win there was kind of set up with what he'd done here 12 months ago um, because he played so well. I think he was second going into the weekend here uh last time seventh going into the final round and then just ejected um finishing 33rd obviously he's got to push too hard to beat Finau and Ram at that point and probably just went for it a bit too much or you know wasn't necessarily in the line of form that he is now um to suggest that you know he should be also comfortable but since winning in Mexico he's been inside the top 25 for straight scan approach off the TNT to green all in 2024 He's made five of his last six cuts and he's finished inside the top 25 on three of those occasions. So he's playing really strongly. He's got that real good look at the golf course last year. He's now a two-time winner on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, the case should be made outside of, you know, Finau. He's he's the most kind of accomplished up here from a PGA Tour perspective. Um, yeah. So I just thought, actually, at 33 to 1-8 places, Eric Van Royal made perfect sense. So, yeah. I love Van Roy and I like him as a player. I like watching him. Um, I love the fact he won in Mexico just before Christmas. And look, you can't just go, oh, look, he played well in Mexico last time. He's going to do it again. But um, similar, very similar course, similar test, yeah, isn't it? Too? At the end of the day, and and that's always suited. And and he likes to being able to let rip the driver, and, and he makes plenty of birdie. So um, happy with Eric Van Roy in there. Next pick like for you, Brad. Uh, well, first pick, sorry for you um, in this event. Uh, similar prizes to to Van Roy. Yeah, I've gone with Ryan Fox. I just absolutely love him for this test. Um, he hasn't quite got going this year yet, um, and I think that has helped us get a good price on him. Striking um, hasn't been great recently, I mean, for his standards, but we know what he's capable at his best. Um, he's shot three rounds in the 60s um, at the Phoenix Open, finished 41st. Uh, I think he shot 75 in his third round, which ultimately cost him from having a better week. So, yeah, he, he's still finding his feet, isn't he, on the PJ Tour? And he, he still hasn't truly contended despite having a few good finishes. Um, this is his first time that he's teeing it up on the PJ Tour where it's a weaker field, um, one of these tropical coastal resort courses. And, yeah, I just think he's going to rip it up. Um, we know he's one of the biggest hitters. He's an excellent Long Island player and his form on coastal courses is brilliant. Loves playing with a breeze. Um, his win and runner-up finish at the Dunhill Links, probably the best example of that. But yeah, he has, he has so many examples. 
Um, he has an excellent record on Paspalum Greens. He won the Raz Kamar Championship back in 2022 on the DP World Tour. He has two sixth place finishes at Royal Greens in Saudi Arabia, a sixth at Al Muj in Amman, and uh, Oli, earlier on in his career, a sixth at the Fiji International, which is probably going to be the, the closest it comes to something like this week. So that bodes well. Um, He's just more than he's more than familiar with this type of grass, and you can, as I've just said, he's got plenty of success as well. So he he ticks nearly all the boxes. So obviously, the slight worry is his recent form, um, but I think because of that, we have got a better prize, as I said. So I just just feel like it. He it just he's got to be taken. He's an easy guy to cheer for as well, isn't he, Foxy? And I, I fancy he's going to have a, a big week. I think the real important thing that you said there, Brad, was the drop down in class. He, he straight away, trial by fire, uh, or trail by fire, whatever you want to yeah. say. Um, he's gone straight into the PJ Tour last year, 14 for the Bay Hill, 27 for the players, missed the cut of Valero, had to withdraw from the Heritage, finished 23rd at the PGA Championship, 21st at the Charles Schwab, 30th at the Memorial. Then goes to the Scottish Open, which was an elite field, finishes 12th, and that's obviously more akin to what he's used to, right? But even then, like this year, Torrey Pines and Phoenix are just not easy golf courses to go to first time and, and excel. And I think one of the things that I liked that I sort of sent you um, when you were talking to me about how much you like Ryan Fox was the fact that he's skipping his, his New Zealand Open to... Yes, you forgot to mention that, of course. Yeah, yeah I love that. Like, dedicating himself to the PGA Tour suggests to me that he... One wants to succeed on the PJ Tour, which I think is pretty obvious. But two, like, there's people that want to succeed on the PJ Tour, and there's people that are taking it really seriously and dedicating everything they've got to it. Um, and I think him and, and Nikolai Hoygaard are really doing that. They're kind of, um, you know, throwing themselves into the mix. Uh, Foxy's obviously come back and played a couple of times on on the DP World Tour, but uh, yeah, perfect golf course for him. As you said, you've outlined all the reasons why it's a great golf course for in the grass and all those sort of things. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a really smart play. Um, His game travels as well, doesn't it? Like he yeah. just it really does travel. And I think probably the toughest thing to him is ad- um, adapting to these like American style courses because yeah. that's probably the the type that he hasn't really had like that, that much familiarity with, you know. So I think when you come outside on um, like somewhere like Mexico, I think he's gonna film a, a bit more at home. I really do. Yeah, like I, I don't, and also, I always think it's an underrated thing. Like, he probably just doesn't want to travel around America like the PGA Tour players do. He doesn't want to go to places like Phoenix and, and California. He's probably quite happy with these kind of, you know, either being in in England and, and Europe where he's comfortable, um, back home in New Zealand, or or kind of like these resort courses where he can probably make a bit of a you know a family affair of it as well. So, um, mm-hmm. really interesting to see, like. I think it'd be really telling how he does this week, actually, is will will he and Nikolai Hoygaard, for example, relish this kind of weaker field and, and improve themselves in it? Or do they struggle because they know, as you said earlier, that they know they kind of got to uh, perform. So um, I think it'd be really telling one way or another how Ryan Fox performs this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mackenzie Hughes, Brad, is... 51 best price, uh, 45 to 1 or 40 to 1, eight, uh, yeah, 45 to 1, 8 places. I think it's really good value. Two time winner on the PJ Tour, very similar to um, Eric Van Roy. And I love the fact that you've got two wins um, in this kind of strength uh, of field. Two wins doesn't mean anything when you're teeing up at Riviera, it does mean a lot when you're here. Seventh mm-hmm. in Mexico at the Worldwide Technology Championship, 
last year uh, where Van Royen won. Second a week later at the RSM, an event that he's already won and finished second in again uh, in the past. So clearly just very confident there. Kicked off with a top 25 in the century, limited field, so nothing too special, but he had a final round 64. And then his last two of his last three starts, he's actually promised to go on and do really well and, and kind of faded away. But he was 64th at Tory Pines, which I think you were on that week, Brad. Um, I was, yeah. And he, and he was 10th, obviously, after the first six holes. Mm-hmm. Disappointing at Pebble Beach, fine. Not, I would expect him to do better and, and would have hoped he did, but he didn't. But then last week, second after 36 holes of Riviera, 10th going into the final round. He's just clearly in very solid form and, and just struggling to get the four rounds together. He'd spent so long in the wilderness, I think. It's hard to kind of adjust and be ready to kind of compete straight away. And maybe he's just figuring that out. Mm-hmm. But what I really liked is I went on kind of tour tips and looked at the performance by grass type or, or green type. Um, and and Paz Palin was his, certainly his best course, uh, sur- surface, sorry. Second yep. and third at the Corrales, which is a course by the coast with Paspal and Green. Seventh in Mexico last year, like I've already said. All of those reasons and the fact that he just seems to repeat form at those types of tests really had me quite intrigued on Mackenzie Hughes. Um, mm-hmm. Hasn't played here, so I've got no reason to think he won't do well. You can look at it as negative as, you know, we don't know what he's going to do here. But as you sort of said to me, he's actually above average in terms of length. I said that was one of my concerns. He's... He's actually found a little bit more distance than he had in the past. Yeah, I was surprised when I backed him at Torrey Pines because I was trying yeah. to talk myself out, out of it then. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, he has had a bit of distance. So I think I think that's huge. Like I think that plus the, the Corrales stuff, which we know translates really well here. And mm-hmm. in the, the day, Paz Palin Greens are not for everybody and they certainly are for Mackenzie Hughes, which is great sign. So 45 to 1, very happy uh, with Mackenzie Hughes. So that kicks me off with... Um, with those three guys there for me, with Pendriff, Van Roy and Mackenzie Hughes, you don't know what you're going to get with Cameron Jamp. <laughs> he could be one way or another. Um, I One thing I would say about him is that, like, I know there's this kind of thing, and Matt sort of said it on the drafting thing, of, like, oh, he can come off a, uh, a run of eight missed cuts and then oh, sort of win. Yeah. The only thing I would say is his ball striking has been, like, his approach play has been absolutely horrendous like when you look at his last couple of events like he's losing so many strokes with his eyes yeah um but i don't know if you can actually bounce back from that like they they look like i mean he probably will because it's cameron champ but in mexico but um yeah just probably too much needed to go right for him maverick mcneely was one that i thought when i looked at that kind of paz palom thing on the um tour tips like that encouraged me a little bit when I looked, it was more to do with Maya Coba than anything else, Brad. And mm-hmm. as much as I like a positive result in Mexico, I do think it's a, a different test in the sense of, you know, one is driving, yeah, one is not. Um, yeah. So that that concerned me slightly. So I, that's how I got away from him. But those were the kind of players I was thinking about. And I, 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 I gave McNeely a good look as well. He really is coming yeah. back strong recently in form. And, yeah. and, and Austin Ekro was the other one that I liked in this range. Mm-hmm. But, um, but all for the same reasons, good past Palom form, um, good at sort of correlating events, but not quite convinced that they'll do it. Another one for you, Brad, in this event. Yes, it's time to go back to my guy, Sammy <laughs> Stevens. <laughs> it's been too it's been too long. Um he's had a really solid start to the year. Four made cuts from four. Uh he's twenty eighth last time out at the Phoenix Open. Um we know where his strength lies. It's off the tee. He's one of the biggest hitters on tour. Um, he finally got the driver working in Scottsdale. He ranked seventh off the tee. Um, so, yeah, he looks to be warming up just in time for this event. 
or you can yeah really let it let it loose um so yeah i, I think i think he's a, a really good bet he, he didn't play here last year um which i found strange um but his performances elsewhere suggest that this might be his cup of tea he did a he had a sorry a 15th place finish at the Puerto Rico Open um had a third place finish at Corrales as you already mentioned the both long coastal resort courses uh Paspam Greens um he has plenty of experience in Mexico as well from where he used to play on the Latin America tour so he's comfortable in this part of the world um and he's, he's been in contention four times since graduating from the PGA Tour which I didn't think it was as much as that but he has been going into the final round um and his, his most recent was at the sony open um at the start of the year uh where he was third going into the final round uh closer around a 24 74 sorry mm-hmm. finished 24th um but yeah his time is going to come uh, i'm big on him as everyone knows um he's going to keep knocking and with a weaker field uh this week he could he could eye this as a a great opportunity so yeah i'm uh i'm all in on sammy stevens very much like Kenya, Brad, like player that just prototypically fits a golf course. Someone that you like showing some signs recently um, seems pretty stupid not to kind of follow that that train of thought, right? So um, okay. I, I, I think I'd um, I think I'd have to take a couple of weeks off betting if Sam Stevens won <laughs> an event like this and I didn't bet him. So <laughs> exactly that, mate. Exactly that. Um, on the theme of players that uh, not necessarily going to bet. Um, just so I can have a moan up next week when they uh, get in contention, I wasn't there. SH Kim, I, just yes. playing really solidly, and I think just a drop in class, he's going to suddenly find himself in contention. But beyond that feeling, I, there wasn't really too much that I that kind of equate to you know what he does. I don't know really necessarily what type of course or what type of player he is. So um, I was stuck on SH Kim. The the other one, Vincent Norman, I think is going to really yes. test. Um, yes 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 whether I, it happens or not i don't know <laughs> honestly if you want free money this week i think top swede i was looking at it i think yeah. it's it's just an absolute it's, it's against norlander and uh bjork yeah. who are both don't sure. fit the course yeah. um norman went 74 70 at the phoenix open this had i think it's 18th here last year um you, you know we know his profile this suits him down to the ground so I think tops Swede at like I think it's uh, plus money, All right? So is it? I think that's just uh, easy money. Yeah, I like it. It's free plus money is what we're saying there. Um, Dangerous, but I do think yeah. it is. <laughs> Interestingly, like I think there's a couple of um, markets like that. Like I, I really like Van Royen to beat Gary Kigo and MJ Duffy in, in the South African one. He is odds on slightly, but Steven Yeager to beat Schmid. Yeah, no, it's a dangerous one, but Schmidt's been a little bit out of sorts recently. It has been but, out of sorts. I can't take him on, but he, he definitely has been out of sorts. Interestingly, it came out, I was looking earlier, like there's two headings for British uh, top golfers on. Um, on yeah, so I don't know what that is. Um, but I do think you in those top national markets, you can take on some players that are really sort of struggling for form at the moment. So um one way to do it is, is to do as we just said there so quite like that um but brad let's come on to the winner of the mexico open uh <laughs> i love it i yeah. i think you mentioned him to me first 
and then I decided to look into it a little bit myself. I think you sort of said mm-hmm. to me, he's on my shortlist, and I sort of said, yeah, love it. And then I took mm-hmm. a real deep dive into it. Yeah. I can't get my head around Sammy Vanamaki not winning this week uh, <laughs> at the Mexico Open. And, and it's very straightforward, actually. Uh, won the Qatar Masters at the end of last year, gets himself onto the PGA Tour. Misses his first two cuts a year, but then makes the cuts at the Farmers and the Phoenix. At Torrey Pines, he was 10th after two rounds, fell away over the weekend. No great shakes at a golf course like that for the first time. He was inside the top 20 going into Sunday. Then closes out of a 64 at Phoenix, where he was sixth in approach and inside the top 35 for tee to green. And then what I really love about it is that he's coming to a Greg Norman golf course with Paz Palom Greens, which is exactly the same setup he had at the Amman Open where he won. Mm-hmm. Um, and his other win at the uh, Qatar Masters, also on Paz Palom Greens, as recently as October. So two wins mm-hmm. on the DP World Tour, both on Paz Palom Greens, one of them a Greg Norman golf course, showing signs of settling into his PGA Tour life with two made cuts at Torrey Pines and Phoenix Open in stronger fields, good approach play. Uh, it's got to be a carbon copy of Matthew Pavon, Brad. I mean, Pavon. Yeah, I mean, this is it. If, and he will, he will get inspiration from Matthew Pavon winning it. and at Tory Pines as well. Yeah. I mean, come on, man, give us a give us a victory in Mexico like the week ago. <laughs> I mean, surely. Um, but yeah, no, I echo everything you said. He also has a runner-up in Singapore as well, which was Paspam Greens. Nice. So yeah, it just that is just it just all stands out. This is it's a great surface for him and. Honestly, like his ball striking has been really good. 17th uh, for the year. And he's also 17th for driving distance, which I'm just can't believe how much like I knew it was a big hitter. But I thought when you put him in like the, on the PJ Tour, he would be like, you know, sort of mid or like just about, like, I don't know, like sort of top 30, maybe top 40. But yeah, I'm yeah, no, really surprised like that. So, yeah, he's got the distance. He's got seriously hot of his irons last time out of the Phoenix Open. Sixth on approach. Just had that one poor round, similar to Ryan Fox that came yeah. in the third round. Um, but yeah, he closed with that 64. I, I can't believe it. I get to back Sam Stevens and Sammy Vanamaki <laughs> in the same event. It's, it's it's bloody magical. Never thought I'd see the day. Um, yeah. But it, it, it's exciting. And you can make a great case for both of them. Um, and anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to to back Sammy Vanamaki. Um, yeah. Just what uh, what more can you say? Been very impressive how he's adapted so far. I mean, he was even tenth going into the weekend at Torrey Pines, wasn't he, on his debut? Uh, so yeah, he'll take loads of encouragement from that. Loads of encouragement from Pavon winning, and yeah, I love watching him nearly as much as I like backing him. Um, yeah. So let's let's have it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like it was one of those things, right? Where like I seem to remember Vanamaki just big wide open golf courses. I thought you know if there was any wind here in Mexico, which it doesn't look like there might be, but like. Big golf course with, with driver all over it is going to be up um, Vanamaki Street. And then when I just see all those kind of pass Palin results and, and what we're facing this week, I just couldn't couldn't get away from it at all. And look, I think I think for me, I was actually getting quite down on Vanamaki until he got that second win. I sort of said, oh, you know, like threatened to win a couple of times straight out the gate. Did win a man, should have won in Wales. Um, you said about that second at the Singapore. Like there was a couple of opportunities where he didn't get over the line. I thought, oh, was you know, was it all just a bit too much for him? And then all of a sudden, he's just come roaring back. Uh, sixth at the Dunhill oh. League, played okay in Spain, then goes and wins Qatar and follows up in in pretty decent style. I mean, you know, 26th, 38th in limited fields are not great, and he misses a cut in the first two events. But 
I like the fact that he's just, as you said, just settling into life on the PGA Tour. It's not easy just to keep making cuts here, and he's done that the last couple of weeks. It's not, no. I, I'm really, I'm really excited uh, to see him like progress. Like, I really am. I hope he can make a really big career. Like, I, I do see him as a potential Ryder Cup player as well. I think he'd be a brilliant Ryder Cup player. He's very gutsy. He's aggressive. I, I think he'd be good in match play. Um, so yeah, I hope he keeps. Well, I hope he wins this week first and foremost and just pushes on from there. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Certainly do at 100, 100 one eight places. Um, Brad, why is mm. Jorge Campillo making his first start on the PGA Tour now that he's def- he, he's left the Kenya Open where he's defending? Defending, yeah, of all the times. So, yeah, yeah, so he's played all like he's played all year on the. He doesn't. Tour. He doesn't seem asked to be honest, mate. About oh. this getting his card, it's like oh, it's just all right. I'll give it a it's, go. I'll play like, a few events. It seems weird. Like he's so he's played back to back weeks in Dubai. Well, he's, he's gone what four weeks in the Middle East or five weeks, I guess, the Middle East. I guess that's what it is. He's just gone. You know what? I'll play every event in the Middle East, um, and then go yeah. and have a go on the PJ Tour. But to be honest, it was probably one week too early. He probably should have just finished in Kenya Open, gone and got himself. Oh, Five I bet, I bet Kenya are gutted. Like the, yeah. the, the, the setup, yeah. people setting the tournament up there. Like, He'll be going when he misses the cut in in uh, Mexico. And, and <laughs> well, it's not going to be a good. It's not going to be a good course in Campillo, you think? That's what they get. Like I, I just thought, why don't you just go in? Because obviously his line of thinking is probably I'm coming away from the Middle East now, so I'm going to go and have a go at the PJ Tour while I've got my card. But mm. he could almost get himself into the top ten again and get his card that way. Um, so I just. Yeah playing some more regular DP World Tour stuff. So I thought it was a baffling decision, actually, to to abandon the DP World Tour on a course that was perfect for him. But who am I mm. to advise a golfer, eh? Like, I'm, I'm a nobody that just has a podcast talking about them. So um, who, who knows? But, yeah, I, I would be advising him to, to finish in the top five at Kenya and, and come and have a go another week. But there we go. Not not, not my job. The, the other one, Brad, that I, that I was... I mean, I wasn't really interested in, but just gave a second class glance to is Kevin Chapel, who finished mm-hmm. 21st in Panama on the Corn Ferry Tour, then makes a cut in Phoenix, only finished 49th. But strikes me as a Kevin Chapel golf course. 24th here last year kind of confirms that, and that was even after opening with a 72. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, strikes me as a big golf course driver, can use it a lot seems to like this yeah. type of thing and I thought he was good friends with like Charlie Hoffman and maybe I'll take a little bit of inspiration from that I don't know if that's necessarily true or not um I can't comment on that I have no idea <laughs> well I, I googled it after I was saying it yesterday on the podcast last night and the, the only thing that came up was him giving Charlie Hoffman shit about a um ruling or something but I couldn't <laughs> I, I, in in the brief reading of it I couldn't work out if it was tongue-in-cheek and they were they were friends um mm. I think that was what it was because like it was posted by Scratch, and then like Golf Digest says, "What's this hilarious exchange?" So I'm guessing they actually were um, decent friends, and I think they, when I looked at it, they sort of played Presidents Cups together and things like that. So all of that, a long way of saying, I think there's there's potential for Chapel to look at what Hoffman's done in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks and and have a go on a course where the demands are not quite the same. So um, maybe some yeah. sort of top forty bet for for Kevin mm-hmm. Chapel be on the cards um, I don't mind that at all so that, that I'll tell, tell you who's drifted a little who I did look at um was uh Justin Justin Sir who was yes. uh six oh, he's 50 to one best price on Monday and I was like oof but he's now he's drifted to 60 
Yeah. And I think that might have, do you know what? I might have had a, a, a better look at him at that price. Because mm. um, as much as he's not one of the biggest hitters, um, he did very well at the, um, that, that where, where Van Royen won um, in Mexico, the, what was yeah. it, El Cardinal? Yeah. El Cardinal, yeah, which is a very similar sort of test. And yeah, he finished fourth that week. And he's just been playing that little bit better. He had that 22nd last time out of Phoenix Open. Um, still, it's not at his best. I mean, he's an incredible ball striker. So he isn't isn't hitting it to his best at the moment. But uh, he was he gained across. Um, well, he didn't he didn't gain uh, around the green, but yeah, he gained on everywhere else. Like his hit, he gained off the tee on approach, um, his putting as well. So I just feel as though he's he could be a surprise package this week at six i don't i haven't heard much talk about him um i he was on my shortlist and I, I i just didn't like 50s um but i think 60s is still is is still maybe a little bit short but uh, it's got my interest a, a, a bit more yeah so he's, he's an interesting one do you know who was in that range for me a little bit um and, you, and because you brought up the l cardinal golf horse and it kind of triggered anything about it and i was furiously t- tapping away here so sorry if anyone heard that um but doug gim has been 13th and 12th in his last two starts 13th for tory pines 12th at phoenix where he was second after round one fifth after round two uh before that string of four missed cuts but his his previous makeup before that was the 15th place finish at, at the um Diamante golf course um could just see doug gim being a bit streaky here and, and having a go at it um mm. But he's like 45 to one about a player that we know really does struggle in contention, and even in the weakest of fields hasn't really, you know, covered himself in glory, has he? Maybe the the excitement about Doug Gim is potentially gone, but I wish his price wasn't like that because he, if he was, yeah, he's like a top 20 guy, isn't he? All the time, like, it's like yeah, we, just, we need to see him push on eventually. He's just like. He was terrible, wasn't he, at the players when he was in contention, which is not a massive surprise. He was fifth at the Amex, 12th at the Phoenix, 15th at the Travellers, 16th at the Scottish, 14th at the Charles Schwab, 13th at the Farmers, just reading his OWGR at this point, but like third in the, the Diva Goes to Championship on the Corn Ferry. So, like, he can play these kind of tests. It's just, yeah, just the price is, you know, outrageous, really, at 40, 45 to 1. A bit like in the Jake Knapp territory as well, I suppose. But um, there we go. That's yeah. probably it, Brad, for, uh, for me. Um, yeah, yeah, likewise. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, Harry Hall, another one that <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, another one of my guys that I really like. I think this test suits. Obviously, he's done well at Carrales. He's, he's shown up at other coastal tracks. So I think... It was suit. I just don't know if he's playing well enough at the moment. But I think 125 to one in this field is pretty big. Um, so yeah, he he was one that missed out. But yeah, that's the only other person I want to mention. Yeah, other than that, we're just naming names, aren't we? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, me and Matt had a a bet based on Harry Hall yesterday, or not based on him, in, <laughs> in inspiration of Harry Hall, which was that if Scott Piercy, which is a really weird. Um, really weird transition if scott piercy finishes inside the top five after round one or within two shots of the lead i can't remember which one we said uh, after round one then i have to go out buy a harry hall kind of flat cap i have to wear it for one full day in my real life and walk around with it and send matt loads of pictures 
Um, <laughs> and I also have to sit on this video call with him for four straight events in which, in which at any point he can screenshot it uh, and clip up video clips of me saying something wrong uh, all whilst wearing this hat. Um, basically, it all, it all transpired that he wanted me as a uh, English person to wear one of those hats. I said I've got to 31 years of age almost without ever even donning one to try one on. I'm certainly not going to go out and wear one. Um, and what what was the strange part? It's not like when we talked about Scott Pearce, I went, you're having a laugh, like, he's terrible. I was actually agreeing with the fact that he could finish inside the top five round one. But for some reason, I'm now on the other end of the bet that I'll be wearing a flat cap if Scott Pearce uh, comes in the top five. So That's I'm, brilliant. I'm pretty desperate for Scott Pearce to shoot 78 tomorrow. No, no, she got away with it a little bit. He could have he also said that you had to shave your moustache into like one of those skinny ones and <laughs> dye it blonde. Like, uh-huh. he's, God, he's, he's got he's got a certain look about him, Harry Hall. I don't know. What, I don't what, know. what baffles me about Harry Hall? A couple of things. Obviously, he's a Cornish lad, isn't he? So yeah. it's really strange. That he's, well, it's not really strange. It's, it's utterly fucking amazing that he's spent his college career in Vegas. I'm truly jealous. Um, mm. But what blows my mind is he's he's completely bald under that cap, isn't he? He's not even there's not even oh, a yeah. fibre of hair. He's completely bald under there. Um, mm. And also, he wears that hat, as far as I know, in any condition, right? Like he, like he, he plays a lot of his golf in Vegas, and he's got this fucking hat on. That mm. I know that you need to wear a hat in Vegas. Trust me, as someone that's losing their hair, you need a hat in Vegas. But to wear one of those in the heat seems a little bit warm. Uh, I'm buckets. Um, so yeah, Harry Hall's hat choice is is um, lured me into a bet with Matt. Um, I think the, the real brutal thing for me is actually having to wear that for a real day. And because whenever I see someone wearing those, I think, oh, you're trying a bit hard here. Well done, Peaky Blinder type uh, thing. Uh, oh, yeah. And well, my, my family's from the East End, so my brother and my dad very much so donned yeah. them caps and they both lost their hair. So maybe it's something that they're I'll, not I'll doing do it molder like and it eventually drops off. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not doing it ironically, are they? Like they're doing it, you know, it's kind of. Um, Almost traditional oh, yeah. that part of the country, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't got an East End London bone in my body. Don't have anything really to suggest I should be wearing one of those other than a balding <laughs> head. Um, so I feel like a bit of a fraud wearing one. But we shall see. Maybe maybe Scott Pearce shoots 81 tomorrow and we haven't got to worry about it. But I thought that was a nice little talk to see what you can kind of expect over on that other show for philosophers, generally speaking. Um <laughs> I was going to use this point of this podcast to, to needle you, Brad, about the uh, the football last weekend, but um, probably it's a subject at this point. Uh, so <laughs> let, let's let's summarise our picks. That's what everyone's here for. So going to the Kenya, going back to the Kenya Open. Sorry, Aaron Cockerell for me, twenty eight to one, seven places. I'm also going with John Catlin at uh, thirty. Five to one, seven places. Um, I think it's the best price and, and each way terms there. Uh, I'm also going to go with uh, Sebastian Garcia, who I'm really excited about actually. Uh, mm-hmm. 80 to one, six places. 70 to one, uh, seven places is also pretty good. And Julian Suri, who is available at 100 to one, seven places. So those are my picks in Kenya, Brad. Did you want to add yours onto that? 
Yep, um, I'm with you on John Catlin, uh, 40 to 1, six places. You can do that with Bet Fred. I've got an alternative place market, or there's SpreadX. Um, I've gone for Ashan Wu, 55 to 1, six places. Bet Fred as well, or SpreadX. Um, and then I've gone for Oliver Becker, 70 to 1. I'm going to take the six places, and that's also with Bet Fred. Um, and then I've gone for Simon Forstrom, and that's a hundred to one, uh, six places bet Fred, Skybet or Unibet. Love it. Feel really confident about the the group of players that we've picked over there, as I always do when I'm sitting there chatting to you, and it gets a thun, uh, Thursday, and I'm devastated. But we <laughs> we go again as we always do. Um, over to the Mexico Open, Brad Taylor Pendrith for me, twenty eight to one, eight places. Eric Van Royen, thirty three to one, eight places. Mackenzie Hughes is 45 to 1 eight places and this week's winner Sami Vamaki is 100 to 1 uh, eight places very happy about that card over to you Brad I'm gonna go with Ryan Fox 35 to 1 eight places that's with 88 sport um, Sam Stevens 55 to 1 Betfred six places or you could take 45 to 1 Labrooks if you've got that boost you can boost him to 50 to 1 10 places which could be the way to go um, then I've gone with yourself, Sammy Valamaki, Sweet's winner, 100 to 1, eight places, Paddy Power, and Betfair. Yeah, and this should uh, come with a warning that this, this podcast is for listeners of 18 years and above. We should gamble responsibly, but if you happen to be someone that does like to take uh, chances in life, the, the reverse forecast of Sammy Valamaki and Ryan Fox. Uh, with how excited we are about those two players over in Mexico. Um, I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to watch Can, I, can I also mention a double that I've actually already placed? Yes. Um, so, okay, so it's um, for Ryan Fox to finish top rest of the world yeah. um, and Sammy Valamaki to finish top continental Euro. And if you mm. take that with Labrooks, I think it's over 200 to 1 and it's an each way double. So I think you get three places on the continental um euro with sammy valamaki and you get uh four places um with uh ryan fox in the um, best of the rest of the world so i think that's definitely worth a punt i really like it that definitely sounds um you know pretty wild actually doesn't it let's have a look at this i guess nice little each way double there uh, where is ryan fox there yeah i mean look even on bet free which i've got loaded up is 160 to one and um you get three places in both of those i think um uh, so, there's I, I checked it earlier the three places on um as one, one, one to six which is crap yeah so i don't yeah. use bet free six five for that one but that is a I mean, because what I was a little bit disappointed about, and I later educated myself, Finland's not in Scandinavia like I thought it was. I think I've actually had this conversation. Yeah, I know. But it it is. I mean, it should be. They they classify themselves as Scandinavian. So, I mean, when I went to Estonia, I was surprised they do as well. Yeah. Some of them. I don't so, know what it is. It's not official, though. I, I was know. hoping he was going to be in that Scandinavian market anyway, because it meant you'd only really be taking on, I thought, Olesen and Hoygaard. Um, obviously, yeah. St. Norman's in there. but um, I think with the three places, though, it's, it's okay. I think either way, it's good. Um, I think each way chance. Like Even if they just say, like, if, if Hoygaard or Dietrich pipped Valamaki, for example, 
and uh, Ryan Fox got beat by who's the best there, like Grillo or something. Yeah. And at least you've got like they both pay out on a place. So. Yeah, I think that's um, that's definitely an interesting way to go about it. There's a couple that I like, but they're in kind of like um, win-only markets. They wouldn't be any good for that kind of double we talk about. But I was mm-hmm. interested to see what uh, Alejandro Tosi would have been in the uh, South American. He's got to take yeah. on in Vegas, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to top Sweden again though. That 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 Vincent Norman bet five to four. Yeah, I mean that's it's got to be taken, right? I think so because Bjork and Norlander are just not playing, and and I do think that we should be taking Van Roy in that South African. I know it suits mm-hmm. Higo this golf course, but I can't remember. Higo, last time. Yeah, Higo scares me a little bit. I don't know why, but it's just not he's, doing it, is he, right? He's not doing it, but he's a bit like a Schmid as well, who could just randomly yeah, just show up on a course that suits. And MJ Daffer as well is another massive hitter, but he's just not that great, is he? Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> MJ Duffy, what a guy. Um, yeah, I like that. I think there's definitely some, you know, top 40 potential. We sort of talked about players further down the the field where we, we might be interested in those. Obviously, one of them was um, Kevin Chappell in Mexico. And I think we talked about a couple of like Connor Purcell and Jack Davidson that I think could be kind of top 40 mm, players. Jack in. Davidson would be a good top 40 shout, yeah. Kenya. So th- there's a couple of sort of placement bets for people that like that sort of thing. Um, Brad, hour and 25 minutes on the... That is a massive one. Kenya I mean, Mexico. Two, two events that we're very passionate about, like, clearly. Yeah, like, like, like I'm coming this week quite downbeat about the fields and all that sort of thing but when you get into the betting heat it's actually these are two good betting events yeah very intriguing so I'm, I'm really happy with what we've done the process we've got um and, and let's just hope that leads to another winner so um congratulations to everyone that's placed their bet on some Maki during this hour and 20 minute football <laughs> um because you're going to be well, clipped on sunday uh, well that's it for the week um look forward to next time um, cheers Tom I shall see you soon yep best of luck everyone